Welcome to the Functional Medicine Radio Show with your host, Dr. Carrie Drizga, known internationally as the Functional Medicine Doc. Dr. Carrie is committed to helping patients find the root cause of their health problems and fixing the cause with natural treatments so they can feel normal again. Dr. Carrie is the founder of Functional Medicine Ontario and is the author of the hit book, Reclaim Your Energy and Feel Normal Again. Please welcome your host, Dr. Carrie Drizga. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Functional Medicine Radio Show, the only Internet radio show dedicated to giving you real solutions to improve your health. Not only are they real solutions, but they're natural solutions as well, because as you know, the one and only true wealth you have is your health. I'm your host, Dr. Carrie Drizga, the Functional Medicine Doc, and I'm committed to helping you find the root cause of your health problem, fix the cause with natural treatments so you can feel normal again and live your life to the fullest. Now, today's topic is about movement as medicine, using exercise to help treat anxiety, stress, depression, and other conditions. I'm so very excited about today's show because my special guest is William Pullen. Let me tell you a little bit about him. William Pullen is a psychotherapist registered with the British Association for Counseling and Psychotherapy. He practices integrative therapy and specializes in the treatment of depression, anxiety, problems of self-esteem and confidence, and substance abuse. William, thank you so much for being my special guest today on this episode of the Functional Medicine Radio Show. Thank you, Dr. Carey. It's exciting to be here. So, William, I know you are an expert in this area of movement as medicine. Can you introduce for our listeners today um, a little bit about your book and how did you get into um, doing this therapy? Okay, so the the book is called Running with Mindfulness, and it's it's uh, it's really about what I do. Um, so I'm running therapist i developed a kind of therapy called dynamic running therapy which is a fusion of of elements of mindfulness talk therapy and running although you can walk it too uh, the important thing is just to get moving to apply yourself to it and and to do so uh, over and over again um, you know develop a, a good practice i got into it uh, through personal experience i was having a tough time in my life about 11 12 years ago and i went into therapy and I took up running and I noticed how powerful uh, the two worked together as I ran with a friend of mine uh, and together we would talk and we found that the running really helped us to get in touch with what we were feeling, to, to work through what we were feeling. It, it gave us a, a sense of uh, competency and power at a time when I think both of us were not feeling that powerful. So dynamic running therapy is something that you discovered? Exactly, exactly. I mean, so I went into training. Uh, as, as I said, I was in therapy. So then I, I decided to train as a therapist. And during that six year period, I took the best of what I felt I, I was learning about to apply it to create this particular approach. Now, there is a lot of evidence, a lot of research behind using exercise as therapy for treating anxiety and stress and de- depression and other disorders. Well, there's so much out there, right? And that's one of the reasons why I thought, well, you know, it's crazy that it isn't uh, already uh, being utilized uh, directly as as a therapy. It's strange that you'll go and see your doctor and the doctor will say, well, uh, I'll give you drugs, but I'm not going to insist that you go and do this, this or this. 
and really it should be you know it should be understood as as, as i like to say movement as medicine it needs to be seen as a medicinal enterprise particularly for those with uh, with certain mental health conditions you're so right william it is kind of insane that this isn't considered first line treatment yep yeah. Well, I'm hoping that's going to change. Yes. Uh, yeah. And 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 not just it's it's not just because guess what it, it it's great for for your mental health and for your body and for your uh, it's great for socializing. It's great for all these things. But it just is what we're supposed to be doing moving. And I really do think that so much of of the anxiety and depression that people experience these days really is because they're not moving i don't think you'll find people who are out you know hunting and hiking and doing whatever you'll find much lower levels of anxiety and depression in people who are active than people who are inactive and there's a reason for that yes i'm thinking from a neurological perspective when we're moving and really it could be any form of movement but we have to be moving and for our brain there's lots of firing and input neurologically to the brain and it stimulates it and and it activates it and and I know well, I would think that that that's part of like the mechanism of how this works and I know that they've done research comparing exercise to um, drug therapies right and usually the exercise yep. works just as well or even better yep. without the negative yep. side effects Absolutely, and and that's one of the reasons why I brought mindfulness into this as well, because mindfulness also has uh, uh, has been shown by by researchers uh, to to uh, be a great way to um, address uh, conditions like stress and high blood pressure, hypertension, these sorts of things, um, and anxiety. Uh, it's I I just think that. Well, think about this. This is this is what I often say: is is we for however many years it is, I think three, four, five hundred thousand years, we wandered around in small groups, small tribes, and we hunted together, and we talked together, and we moved together, and that's what we did. So always we were in movement. Our survival depended on it. Our mythology depended on it. Our relationships with each other and our neighbors depended on it. And then suddenly, you know, we're we're so static these days, and yet our DNA, I think, is still primed for that. So we need adventure. It's why adventure feels so good, isn't it? I mean, do you do you yourself do you get do are you a hiker or anything like that? Do you know what I mean by that sense of um, of excitement and and possibility you get from from adventure? Yes, absolutely. I, I'm not a runner personally, but I do love to hike. So hmm. what, so one of my questions for you is. Um, this therapy is it can it only be done with running or does it apply to other forms of exercise well my specific one that dynamic running therapy uh, is strictly for walking and running uh, in part that's because I want people to be relaxed enough uh, to think to be mindful to think about what's going on I think that's harder if you're um, climbing up a mountain uh, I think it's harder because I I give you specific subjects for you to questions for you to think about 
depending on whether you're doing the program for depression or anxiety. Of course, there's just basic mindful running in there as well and mindful walking, in which case you could do those going up and down a mountain. But generally, I like people, if they're doing the therapy programs, I like them to do it somewhere they're familiar with for safety reasons and so that they can um, you know, focus in on the day's question and, and grow and learn and, uh, and make notes. Okay, so that's wonderful for people like me out there who don't run, that we can do this with walking. And so um, you've mentioned a couple of times now mindfulness. So can you kind of explain what you mean by mindfulness? Okay, for me, and different people have different ideas, for me mindfulness is the focusing of the mind, the self on, typically on one's breath, that's that's the route I take, although if you're doing mindful running and walking, you can focus instead on footfall or counting trees. Uh, but essentially what you're doing is you are counting to 10 your breath. And when you get to 10, you start back again at one. And what normally happens is you get to about three, really thinking just about your breath, nothing else, and then you suddenly think about lunch or some project that you're late on. And then you go back to number one um, and you start counting up again. And, and it's a way of bringing yourself continually back into the living moment and away from all of your fears and concerns about the past and the future. So if I have this correctly, while you're walking or running, you're focusing on your breath and yeah. you're, you're counting to 10 and you just kind of keep repeating that and to just kind of keep you in the present. Exactly, because you're trying to get away from from that lazy or preoccupied mind that out of habit just keeps on going back to these sore points in your life, questions around status or, or regret or whatever it may be. You're just trying to say, no, listen, that's this is not the time for that. I don't want to do that every day. I don't want to be I don't want to live with a brain that leaves me subject to that kind of behavior. Let me retrain my brain and see if I can just become somebody who can just be here right now, present to where I am and present to what's around me. So it sounds like in a way you're basically trying to develop positive neuroplasticity to be in the present moment instead of your mind darting all over the place to the future, to the past, to just stay in the present. That's exactly it. Because, uh, and you'll know what I mean here, we are now so overstimulated uh, by uh, but the sheer quantity of of data and 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 color and and different media platforms it's just constant now sounds and colors and shapes and forms and and, and passwords and it comes so fast now that i think we are become the brain is becoming frenetic and 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 almost well you see it in people who've been traumatized they're, they're, they become hypervigilant ready for the next trauma. Well, I don't think that we've been traumatized by this, although you could argue uh, that being overstimulated is a kind of trauma. But in any event, what overstimulation does is it keeps us uh, at a a state of of arousal that isn't useful, Uh, not all day long. Nobody wants to be in a state of arousal all day long. You're looking uh, to come up and down. We want to live a nice fluid life where we relax when we want to relax, and we bring our attention uh, when it's needed, uh, but, but in control of, 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 the, of how we 
exist in the world and not subject to it. Does that make sense? Yeah, so how I interpret what you just said is we are so overstimulated and bombarded by media, computers, tablets, cell phones, television, all of this stuff, that I think most of us are in a continuous state of sympathetic overload. We're con our neurological system is constantly in stress, fight or flight state. And yeah. what we want to shift it to parasympathetic or rest, rest, yeah. relaxation, digestion mode. Yeah, I'd say that's spot on. And, and, and you know you've got a problem when you're checking your phone, you know, 150 times a day. <laughs> I challenge your listeners to try and count how many times they're checking it and then to try and reduce it by 10% a day uh, for seven days in a row and to see how the mood changes, how the levels of relaxation, because the more you do it, the more you do it, until finally, for reasons that don't seem obvious to you, uh, you're, ju you're just doing it again and again, and checking your phone, checking one of four social media platforms, checking the news, checking your stocks, and what you don't appreciate, or actually I think we do appreciate really, is that you're getting that kick in your brain, aren't you? Um, there's a small incremental reward each time you do that and you get so out of uh, the practice of of other rewards that take time you know cooking things that take longer and you think to yourself well let me substitute all of that for just these short um, fast effective bursts that I'm getting over and over and over again so you've spoken about the exercise component with walking or running and you've spoken about the walking or the mindfulness component. The other thing that I heard you mention was about questions. Yes, yeah, so let's say that you're, uh, the, and the book addresses many different um, kinds of, of, of conditions from uh, anger and depression. Um, uh, anxiety, uh, relationship questions, uh, decision-making. You know, each one's got a chapter with a series of questions. And the way that works, and in my own work, when I'm one-on-one, -on -one, and, and the book, if you, if you get the book to address it, it's quite different because, of course, I'm not there. But if you get the book, you're going to, I'm going to give you a question for each run. You don't have to run every run with a question or walk every walk with a question. You do it when you want to. This is all very much client-led. And the idea is, is that you learn to acknowledge what you want and what, what you really want. So if you want to, uh, if you're scared of what you think this question might bring up, acknowledge that and go when you're ready to go. If you're um, excited by it, acknowledge that. And to take yourself on a journey of discovery as each question throws up new ideas and new memories um, and different ways of relating to who you are and the choices that you've made um, and most particularly and this is really what what's throughout the book is is it I hope models and reminds you of the need to relate to yourself in a way that's gentle and kind and soft and compassionate instead of that inner dialogue whose tone is so typically these days is so cutting and and judgmental and and really doesn't serve us so can you give us some examples, let's say for anxiety, as, you know, one kind of uh, 
area uh, to think about. I, I have so many patients who come to see me, so many new patients, and I would say four out of five of them have some component of depression or anxiety. It's just so rampant. Absolutely. Well, can I ask you, and I know that there are many different kinds of anxiety oh, sure. out there. Sure. What do you what do you think not what do you think they all have in common, but why do you think there is uh, as much anxiety? Where's it coming from these days? So I wonder if there's a component of a self esteem issue going on or lack of purpose and clarity about their purpose. I love that, and I think connection to when we're not connected, then those questions around status and purpose become even more important, don't they? Because we're sort of alone in the world, and it doesn't matter so much if I'm if I'm a modest man or woman in in a tight community. Often, I'm much more I value that community so much more than I do uh, my status. However, when I don't have that community around me, that status becomes uh, so much more uh, pronounced. Status anxiety, as it's often referred to. And then, um, so far, you've given us a lot of great information. Can you tell us anything more about your book and this therapy that you've put together? Um <clears throat> Well, I think the the piece I really want uh, people, and let me just go back because I don't think I answered your question for you. I think you were asking for a specific sort of question that you might run with, with anxiety, for instance. Um, what I do is I try to familiar familiarize the reader with their particular anxiety that they have, because often... Uh, one of our problems with anxiety is that we have anxiety and then we have fear of anxiety and then we fear the fear of anxiety and so it gets layered and we get confused about what it is that's causing uh, the most pain. So what I do is is ask questions that familiarize them with exactly what's going on for them and then later on I uh, ask them to look at uh, lifestyle choices that they've made and are making, perhaps they're in the wrong work or with the wrong person in their lives romantically. Uh, perhaps there's no community. Perhaps they have substance abuse issues. It could be anything. And then most of all, and I suppose throughout it, I'm asking them to look at their relationship with themselves, which I think often um, is at the source of a lot of anxiety. That uh, when we feel that recurring anxiety, then we feel the shame we feel the fear around the anxiety, and then we feel shame about having fear about anxiety. Uh, it, 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 it's all very destabilizing, and I try to take out as best I can both the shame element and the fear element, which um, I think uh, is, is doable um, just by noticing, as I said, that inner dialogue, noticing how we react to it and saying, you know, must I try to fix, and this is going back to your, your second question about what, what is my work in general. My work in general is, is, is built around one question. Must I fix or avoid every unpleasant feeling that I have, or might I be better off just by acknowledging the appropriateness of some of those moments and just 
you know, there's a famous saying, sit with it. I don't need people to literally sit with it. I just need to acknowledge it, to acknowledge that what you're feeling is appropriate. And it's appropriate in the sense that it's yours. Now, it may not be anybody else's. It may feel unfortunate that you have social anxiety, for instance. But I believe that by developing a better relationship with your social anxiety, the symptoms will reduce and become uh, of a manageable level. I can't guarantee it for everybody, but I believe that it works for the majority of people. You know, what I really love about this approach is that it's really holistic-based, that you're combining movement, of course, with walking and running, and then mindfulness. And then, as you said, it's basically, for people who are using your book, it's a, it's a quest of self-discovery, going through these questions to try and figure out the deeper components. Is there is there anything else about the book or the therapy that we've not spoken about yet that you think is important for our listeners to know? Well, just to be clear what I mean by the mindfulness part of it. As I said, there's a there are chapters in the book on just how to mindfully run and mindfully walk, both of which are hugely rewarding and add to your sense of adventure. Then there are all the uh, mental health therapeutic condition pieces, and then there's bits on running with your kids to promote um, closeness with them and questions to ask your kids about their life uh, to, again, promote um, closeness with them. And then there's even a program for running with your loved ones or people that you're in close relationships with uh, to try and get closer to them too. Uh, so... Yes, those latter parts I hadn't mentioned. But let me expand a little bit on the mindfulness element because it doesn't really, in one respect, it goes throughout the work because mindfulness is constantly asking you to come back to the self, to come back to um, and to care for the self, to say, well, I choose, I am going to train and choose for myself this way of being versus um, another way of being feels compulsive or, 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 or less focused or less and less control and, and therefore out of control. Um, but the mindfulness exercise itself uh, is something I developed called the grounding pro- process. It's um, a four-step process. Uh, it's optional. Um, I do it with my clients one-on-one, um, and I suggest people that get the book do it either by themselves or you can do all of dynamic running therapy. You can do all the programs, including therapeutic ones or the mindful. You can do that with your good friend or a colleague or even a stranger. Um, so this piece is a piece where you sit down for five or ten minutes before your run or your walk. And step one is checking in with your body. So you do a body scan. Uh, what's happening from the top of my body to the bottom? What do I feel? Where are the pressure points? Um, where are the aches? Um, I then ask myself, what are my senses um, picking up around me? And so we do a sort of sense scan. What can I smell? What can I see? What can I hear, etc.? Uh, we then move on to uh, what am I feeling? And I hasten to add for my, my, my clients, not what was I feeling and what before I got here, not what am I feeling um, too much of or what am I feeling right now? I want to get people to focus in the here and now because that's where I want them to be. And then the fourth step 
is a question which I call the priming moment, which is simply an opportunity to focus on what you want out of that session. Uh, you may not know, and that's absolutely fine too, uh, in which case did you go with a spirit of adventure to, to just see what's what, and you may decide to move fast or slow. Uh, you may decide to seed yourself with a thought or, or question, or you may decide it's enough just to travel um, thinking about your breath, thinking about your footfalls. Uh, I think that's that pretty much captures uh, dynamic running therapy. That just sounds brilliant, William. Oh, thank you. <laughs> that that means a lot coming from you, Dr. Carey, because I, 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 I really appreciate what you were saying about the, the holistic um, framework. I, I just feel great about being part of something where I'm promoting something anybody can do it's essentially free. I mean, the, 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 the book is, is not expensive at all. Um, you can do it anytime, anywhere. Uh, I mean, how many things, how many things are, are that therapeutic and that available uh, to the majority of people? I, I don't think there are many. So I'm excited about being in something uh, that anybody can, 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 uh, uh, can be part of. William, how can our listeners find out more about you and um, can, again, mention the title of your book and where can they get a copy? Okay, so the book is called Running with Mindfulness, Dynamic Running Therapy to Improve Low Mood, Anxiety, Stress, and Depression, written by myself, William Pullen, P-U-L-L-E-N, available on Amazon and all good bookstores. They can find out more about me uh, on Twitter at Pullen Therapy. They can find me uh, on Instagram, uh, D underscore running therapy, uh, and on Facebook, at Dynamic Running Therapy. And, of course, I have a website, everybody does, don't they, called dynamicrunningtherapy.com. Perfect. Thank you so much. So I'll make sure all of those links are in the podcast notes so that our listeners can easily find your book and all your resources. That's great, and, and, and I'm very happy to answer any questions. If anybody wants to pop me an email or, 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 or tweet me or something, I'm, I'm here to, to help. William, thank you for being my special guest today. This has been an awesome interview. Uh, my pleasure. Thank you, Dr. Carey. All right, that wraps up this very special episode of the Functional Medicine Radio Show with William Pullen. And I want to thank you, our listeners, for tuning in today. And I'd like to invite you back next time for another episode of the Functional Medicine Radio Show. As always, I'm your host, Dr. Carrie Drizga, the Functional Medicine Doc. Have a great week, everyone. You've been listening to the Functional Medicine Radio Show with your host, Dr. Carrie Drizga, known internationally as the Functional Medicine Doc. Dr. Carey is committed to helping patients find the root cause of their health problems and fixing the cause with natural treatments so they can feel normal again. Dr. Carey is the founder of Functional Medicine Ontario and is the author of the hit book, Reclaim Your Energy and Feel Normal Again. Please tell your friends about the Functional Medicine Radio Show, and we'll see you next week with more from Dr. Carey.